The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the new wave of change that is emerging in our world today? What does it look like? How will it reshape our collective future? We see more and more women are making a rapid rise to the top, taking over leadership of their countries, influencing social and political decisions on a global scale. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine with host Gina Lazenby. This is a movement that is putting the feminine values of compassion and collaboration back into the economy and our world. Everyone and everything is being affected. Our conversation starts now. Here is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome to The Rise of the Feminine. I'm your host, Gina Lazenby, and I'm delighted to be a champion for this fascinating conversation. Not only are women rising in the world today, but feminine values are also being increasingly expressed more openly in men and women. Last week, I had great conversations about the challenges facing modern teen girls. And thank you to the fantastic contributions from Dean Kenyon of Girls Out Loud Sheila Single, Editor-in-Chief of Honoré Magazine, and Kate Byrne of Global Girl Media. If you missed the show, then do check out our Rise of the Feminine Radio Facebook page, or hit the podcast button on your smartphone and search for Gina Lazenby. Now, I've been very curious to understand more about what's happening for men in this Rise of the Feminine, and particularly after an experience I had a couple of years ago in Australia. It was quite memorable. I'd gone to a presentation at the Sydney Opera House about prospection, how we imagine and shape the future. And there were four specialists who explained that they were now collaborating with their research to work together for the first time across the different disciplines of psychology, sociology, psychiatry and brain science. And they talked about how our brains create connectivity networks that support us imagining the future and how we metabolize our past in order to create a new future for ourselves. It's very fascinating. And questions were invited from the audience. Cue Gina. Now, I have this personal rule that whenever I go anywhere, I must ask a question, because it's one way of me leaving part of me somewhere while I'm out and about my travels. So I, I went to find the mic. I saw a shaft of light coming from what looked like miles away up in the high ceiling, which created a pool of light around a microphone. I summoned up the courage to approach it. Two questions were asked ahead of me, which sounded extremely intelligent, and they were given long answers. And then I thought, I hope my question isn't silly. You know, I can have those moments of doubt. Well, then I asked my question. I pointed out that there was recent brain research to show that potentially there were aspects of male and female brains that were a little bit different. So how were they factoring gender into their research that they were all planning to do together and bearing in mind this was a panel of four men and then there was a deadly silence in the auditorium of nearly 3,000 people you could have heard a pin drop I held my breath and then a ripple of laughter broke the silence and a, um, a, a mild round of applause started 
while the speakers just seemed to stare back from the stage. At last, the brain scientist said that, as far as he was concerned, the brains were the same and any differences came from culture, at which point the host prompted Dr. Roy Baumeister to speak, as he'd written a book called, Is There Anything Good About Men? And his reply was, the difference between all types of men and the differences between women were greater than the differences between men and women. Oh, I'm so intrigued. So I bought the book and it's been a real eye opener into his research about how society uses men and how saying anything, anything good about men is actually rather taboo in the current climate of the rising women's movement. So today we're going to continue our exploration about how different men are coping in this energy shift. I'm talking to Kenny Marmorella de Cruz in London, who's known as the Man Whisperer. I've also just been at a conference in Belgium with a group of transformational leaders, and I interviewed two of the male leaders there. Firstly, David Brower. He's an American who has lived in Paris for 25 years, so I asked him about his view on how French men express their masculinity. And then I spoke with Nick Haynes, who has run one of the UK's leading schools of acupuncture through his knowledge of energy and what's called in Chinese medicine the five elements. He's brought this ancient wisdom into the business arena with a profiling system looking at how these energies are expressed in people and Nick's very acknowledging of how he uses his feminine side as a strength more so than many men that I encounter so I was curious to discuss with him how he showed up as a father to to parent his three adult sons so let's get started with our first guest that's Kenny Marilla de Cruz Newsweek said he's a gentle voice in the ears of the many men who come to him for help with life a man whisperer. And this quote from the Daily Express sums up his work, coach, consultant and guru of all things men. Kenny, welcome to the Rise of the Feminine. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Well, this is this is an interesting conversation. You know, the rise of the feminine is all about it's all about women, but it's all about the feminine. And this energy is rising. Women are rising. So my ongoing question is, you know, what's happening to the men? What's happening to the masculine energy? And recently we had um, an episode about relationships. Interesting to hear. I mean, one of the things I remember, Ronnie Piani from Los Angeles, the dating coach, talking about uh, all these single women, mega successful with their business. And, uh, you know, it gets to their 30s, early 40s, and they, they haven't got the relationship. You know, they're not able to have a family. And the question is, where are all the men? So, Kenny, where are all the men? Where, <laughs> where <laughs> are they? That's a question. Because I get that question um, in the men's groups. Yeah. And the men basically say, where are all the women? Really? <laughs> and it, that's so interesting for me. What I love about that as well is it's the men that say, where are all the women? Really? Because they are men and they want the women. Where the boys don't really want a woman. They're scared of women. Now, do you and find wonder, boy? How old are boys? In your eyes, what's say, a boy? <laughs> for me, a boy has got nothing to do with age. It's yeah. everything to do with stage self-acceptance, self-awareness, and responding to life rather than reacting to life, Mm. Um, taking part in life rather than surviving and manipulating life. Mm. And for me, that is the fundamental huge difference. And whether it's my men's groups or wherever else, private clients, whatever, um, the big thing, the most important thing that I do 
is get my men from surviving boys, surviving lost boys, into self-aware men. Then they can make choices. Then they can show up, be intimate, be vulnerable, be real, tell the truth, take part from their center with values, rather than the boys who are generally second-guessing, staying away, fearful of criticism, so staying away from that, fearful of abandonment, fearful of humiliation, and wanting to be what they think other people want. So I would say it's got absolutely nothing to do with age, and it's everything to do with stage. Mm. And the boys are scared of women. And some of the men have said exactly the same with women, is the girls want a weak man who might be pretty and manipulated and matches the, the, you know, the, the furniture and the outfits, but do they want a man? Do they want challenge? Do they want growth? Well, so, you don't think they do? Or, or, I suppose what you're saying there with um, boys versus men, there's, it's an immaturity, isn't it? That they haven't absolutely. matured in all yeah. senses of the world, in all aspects of life. So yeah. um, that's a natural progression, but you're hit, talking about men over 20, over 30, who have this lack of maturity or are classed as boys. So mm. you can't, what you're saying, you can't really match the boys with the women, the girls with the men. And mm. a, a girl and a boy, if they're both immature, it's not a good match, is it? It doesn't sound. Do you know, the strange thing is it <laughs> can is it? be a very good match yeah. if what they want to do is play out their issues mm. and prove themselves right about who they don't want to be and how they don't want relationships to be. And with a lot of people, they'd, better, they'd rather be right and in control than be wrong about life, that life is good and full of love and opportunity and growth, etc. Um, but that's vulnerable. Yeah. There are no guarantees. There's no control. People would rather schmaltzy, codependent 70s love songs, which I love, but they believe it and live it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you go back and listen to the songs and hear the narratives about oh what relationships. I was listening to one the other day, Sweet 16, I'm thinking, no. <laughs> yeah. they're kind of talking about an adult relationship with a 16 year old I thought wow that was in the 1950s it's very different so you know each decade <laughs> the songs reflect difference so you're talking about being in control here I think what might be interesting do you think that that most humans as we grow up we need a boy girl relationship to not you know <laughs> to, to get into we need a relationship like that to help us mature uh, or, or do we have to have one of those relationships and coaching? I mean, how do we grow up? This is a question. How does a girl become a woman? How does a boy become a man? Or do we all have to sit in a circle? Do we have to be with a therapist? <laughs> that can help. That yes, can of course, help. of course. Yeah. Um, and it's not for everyone. No. Therapy is not for everyone. Groups isn't for everyone. Books isn't for everyone. I would say some of the most spiritual, wise, self-aware calm men I have met have done absolutely no personal development or anything. They just come from a place of calm truth. Mm. And if it's there, fine. If there's something along the way, and very often I find there is, where they reach something and they don't know how to get over it, it could be their, their need to control or their need to run away as soon as it gets too good, you know, whatever the issue is. That's where they probably, that's when I generally um, meet them. We get to know what this issue is. We get to know the source of the issue and it's gone. The most important thing that I find with everyone I work with is to get to know their belief systems, get to know the uh, cycles and patterns that keep repeating 
So, for example, for me, I was a mummy's boy, um, so I was used to being loved by women, and I was I had an enmeshed Oedipal relationship with my mother, and it was wonderful. It made me incredibly sensitive because I could second guess the needs of my mother, my godmother, my grandmother, etc., etc. So I was a very sensible, emotional boy. And then my mother and I got even more enmeshed because we had to leave my father in Africa when the Secret Service were after us. So we ran for our lives, not knowing if we'd ever see my father again. So it was my mother and her little man, and I was, uh, uh, even in, uh, up until my 30s, I was a boy pretending to be a man, and everyone liked the man that I was, mm. apart from me. Now, it, it didn't include me. Okay. So the second-guessing survival boys, mm -hmm. they don't actually exist in their lives. There's so much panic, and there's so much fixing and second-guessing, and uh, what do they want to hear, and how do I get out of this, and how do I retain my position, etc. That they don't even exist. So once I know which, which um, patterns and cycles keep repeating, which, which personalities keep coming in for the same roles, then, okay, if that's what happens, then how do we get over it? Where did this start? And how can, how can, life, how can the life of connection, intimacy, presence, how can that begin? Mm. So it is very much from boy to man. Mm. from survival into living, from unconscious into conscious, and that's the way it goes. But I can't say that I haven't envied unconscious people who play their relationship dramas and roles, and they're just blissfully ignorant and happy. Mm. And if it works for them, that's fine. But that's, that's for everyone. That's and it, it can be, as you said, just as you said, it can be the thing that eventually brings them awake and they get over it. Yeah. If that's the way they need to do it, then that's fine. Well, you know, it's when it doesn't work that the problem is. We're going to go back to the Secret Service story another day. I want to hear more about that, but not today. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so with that, going back to that, my mother and I survived a lot without a father um, you know, there were soldiers and guns and all of that. There was refugee camp. There was, like, so many things that happened that are, are really quite shocking. And that I'm remembering more. Now I'm reading a draft of my mother's book. But with that, it was the two of us surviving life. And I needed to turn into my own man mm. and meet my mother as a woman. Before that, I had this cycle of attracting wonderful women having incredible love and intimacy and understanding and closeness, etc. But after two years, it would get, I, I would need to run away because I would feel, I would project that I'm being smothered and I would be fearful of my non-existence. So I needed to get over that and not be that surviving little boy to thank, you know, the way that I turned this around as soon as I noticed that I've gone unconscious and I'm doing playing this game, as soon as I notice, I don't think to the end of the sentence, I take a deep breath in and I say to myself inside, thank you for reminding me who I used to be so it's in the past. Mm. And then as I breathe out, I take part with who or what is in front of me, but at least I exist. And it's simply that it's not my fears of the future, it's not surviving and repeating the past, it's being present and authentic and taking part. And that's my little trick. 
Now, if that doesn't work, and it doesn't always work, then generally when I take a breath in, I can follow the feeling, and it takes me back to a situation or a scene, and I know that's what's charging this situation, and that's what I need to work on, on my own or with someone else or however it is. But at least I know the scene of the crime, where I need to release myself. It's almost like life is saying, you're stuffed up in this situation, in this relationship. So I'm going to give you this situation because that's the next hurdle you need to, the next thing you need to unlearn or the next hurdle you need to jump in order to get more out of life. Mm. So I want more. I need to get rid of, get, I need to know, accept and include my baggage rather than giving all my energy to getting rid of it and avoiding it, which is actually feeding it. Mm. Well, it, I mean, you're, you're speaking there about how you feel and all this high level of self-awareness, which not everybody has and not every man has in terms of looking inside. They don't have the practice of it. Um, and it was interesting what you said about in two years in and you're fearful of your non-existence. I, yeah. I think many women would, would, would resonate with this idea of being with a man for a while and then think, okay, in the next level, um, yeah. you know, when are you going to propose or whatever the conversation is for next? And then they're mm. off. I think, yeah. um, so, you know, every man, you can't, men aren't all the same and you can't say every two years that men go into a certain mode. But oh, what, this is what, just my cycle. <laughs> that's, that's just your story. Well, at least it was my cycle. <laughs> I've been with my wife for, what, 14 years now, and I've never been so happy. Yeah. And my God, we grow. But it, it, it is this. This is what we were talking about with Susie Heath, about the, the later life relationships, and um, when that last child leaves home, and mm. the woman turns around and goes, okay, <laughs> I'm off. <laughs> or, yeah. or, or looks away, because that's the point where the relationship would go to the next level, and then man if he's completely not engaged or not used to looking and acknowledging feelings because not being brought up like that hasn't been the era where it was the right thing to do to, to look at feelings or acceptable mm. uh, and then uh, that's the urgency isn't it so you really yeah. um it's difficult isn't it moving into the next phase of relationship does it do you think we all need professional help? Do you think it's it's something that we should enmesh in society to have kind of intervention or more acceptable structures so people can talk about the most important relationships they have? Because what I feel is people sit down, and this is a TV program in the UK, the evening soap opera EastEnders, and mm. that's programmed into people and it has to be the most dysfunctional of relationships because when relationships end, there's this hatred and they hate mm. each other and they try and damage each other when, you know, quite possibly a relationship will come to a natural end. There isn't anything to do to save it and especially with children, you need to move to another level and accept that because people increasingly, if we're going to live to 100 it's not likely that we will be having one relationship for life, one married relationship or one key relationship, and um, and then that survive for that length of time. We're going to have to rethink relationships, aren't we? So mm -hmm. where do you think this guidance is going to come from? You know, if you lived in a village and had a problem, you go and see the vicar or the priest. So where That's in society... Yeah, yeah. That is so hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. And to answer your question, I believe anyone who hasn't got a community, um, role models, people they want to be like, best friends, whatever it is, if people haven't got that, then yes, to the professional help. Mm. Um, a lot of people that come to see me, um, whether it's in groups or privately, they do have friends, they do have a community, they have all of that, but it doesn't leave space for them. 
It's who they, it's where they've come from or who they used to be. It's not who they want to grow into. Ah, so okay, it's like who's going to lead you into your future self? If we're growing all the time and growing in our capacity in relationship, and our relationships are changing as each decade, as as our needs change, as we move from being professional woman to mother of young children, mother of older children, starting yeah. a business, the relationship we have, if we're lucky or it's planned exceptionally well, <laughs> we have yeah. a relationship that. <clears throat> can support us through each of those stages and mature and adapt with it. But that takes skill, yeah. doesn't it? To know that you're in, in another phase and to have that level of dialogue. And, and permission mm -hmm. from someone who's in that phase to say, welcome. This is how it was for me. This was my transition. This is who I am and how I am. Who are you? How might it be for you? How do you want it to be? Rather than survive this. And generally with boys... There's very little preparation, and it's survive this, survive school, survive best friends, survive girls, survive sexual expression, and it's just not helpful. I never expect that a woman can tell a boy how to be a boy in the playground with girls, etc., etc. This comes from this is, this comes from the male. Right. Men with men, women with women. And much as um, I, I feel very lucky, I've got some very good male friends plus the groups. And much as my wife can sometimes say, I haven't seen enough of you and now you're going out walking in the forest with your friends and it's not fair and whatever. And then she'll also turn around to my friend when he comes to pick me up and say, I am so pleased he's going away with you for the day because I know I'll get him back better. Hmm. Yes. And that's wonderful. Gosh, we do. If I said, yeah. yeah, and if I said to her, okay, I'll cancel and I'll stay with you, I'm not sure I'd get a lot of respect. <laughs> you know, you know, Kenny, I, I, I go out to shopping sometimes, of course, and I'm in a big store and I see these poor guys wandering around, <laughs> these women, uh, yeah. maybe holding a basket or watch, reading a newspaper while these women shop. And I'm thinking, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Why don't you just get the hell out of there? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Unless they enjoy shopping, uh, which clearly when you look at them, they don't. They shouldn't be there. You, you should yeah. have that separate time, shouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And there are two big differences, I would say, with men and women. And this lessens when men grow older is a boy doesn't know how to manage his testosterone. He is owned by his testosterone. Okay. And it could be sexual, sexual expression. It could be violent expression. It could be panic. It could be just running around like an idiot, um, not knowing what to do. Mm. Um, a man can own this. To be blunt, a man can own his dick. A man can own his power. Mm -hmm. A man can own his creative expression. A man can share intimacy where a boy can't. And with women on the other side, I would say women grow more masculine when they grow older. As men grow more feminine, the testosterone go, goes down. Yeah, the levels change. So, Kenny, in, in the last minute or so that we've got, um, you know, where are all the men? They're there, apparently. They're, they're looking for us. <laughs> what is it that women can do so they can be seen and available to men? So the men go, oh, I see you. You're a woman. I, you, know, you went there a minute ago and now you are. So what can yeah. the women do? Do you know, when, when I have um, single people looking for a relationship, I get them to write down a list of exactly what it is that they want right. and how they want to feel, etc. When I see the list of what they want, 
then I get them to own that list and be those things rather than getting someone else to do it for them. Mm. And when they are coming from that place, they attract women. Mm. When they're coming from a place of unconscious or no one wants me, etc., they'll prove themselves right and they'll attract whatever it is to prove themselves right. Or when they feel, okay, I'm going to be used and um, abused and chucks or whatever, then they'll prove themselves right. For me, be it and let that frequency attract it. Brilliant. Do what you love, go where you want to go, and be aware. Because very often, people can say, well, it felt absolutely perfect with him. I don't know what went wrong. Well, of course it felt perfect, because he is similar to all the failed relationships. So you know how to do this, you know how to survive this, you're in control. Mm. If it feels a little scary, this is like knowing the difference between a sign and a temptation. If it feels scary but right, if it feels like I could come alive here, then take part. Okay, that's great advice. And now we're going to take a quick commercial break and then I'm back with introducing my next guest. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business and more on demand 24-7. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to the Rise of the Feminine. If you have a question or comment about this program, please send an email to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. That's Gina at GinaLazenby.com. Here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome back. That was interesting hearing those insights about the difference between men and boys. And now I want to share my conversation with David Brower. As I said, I just met David in Belgium. He's been a high flyer in the Hollywood entertainment industry. But he says he's left that behind to liberate his soul and now offers magical artistic and culinary spaces for people to gather and enjoy his world-class sensorial experience days. He's also an American in Paris, and he's been living there for 25 years, which I thought might perhaps give him a perspective on how masculinity shows up in French men and how that might be slightly different to his experience of men in America. Obviously, all men are not the same. But I asked, is there something about the French culture that makes men a little bit different? But yeah, my experience has been that there's a certain sensuality of life in uh, in Paris, and that's through the food that's through the culture, through the arts, uh, through the long history that is there. And it feels to me like there's, there's a, somewhat of an opening to the, the feminine, expressive, uh, you know, verbalized, kind of almost Latin culture side of, uh, of being that, uh, that's more, uh, more expansive, more colorful, more, you know, there's sort of a, 
um, verve and French panache uh, that people talk about is true in the men there. There can be a lot of very expressiveness that comes through them, uh, which I think is really a reflection of, of the world that uh, we live in there, you know, where there's an extreme appreciation for the culinary arts and also the uh, the time around a table and, uh, you know, the discussion that happens around a table, which is usually about politics, sex, and food. <laughs> good combination. <laughs> good combination. Uh, and, uh, and that there's, you know, there's, a, there's really a sense of being able to express really what's, what's on your heart uh, in a colorful way, in a way that can be very passionate, uh, that can be, uh, um, you know, very engaging without it necessarily being aggressive, without it being necessarily so uh, differentiating from you. It's really an expression of self uh, that's not, not something that's um, so, uh, uh, so black and white. There's a lot of shades of gray there, and everyone appreciates that, you know, you can have a, a, certain, uh, a certain specific opinion about something and that you express it that way in a way that can be uh, quite, uh, quite colorful. And I, you know, growing up in the States, I don't, there's a little bit, a little bit of sense of political correctness, I, I feel, coming from there, which in France, they kind of walk all over that in, in a way that's, uh, that's charming, it's irreverent, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of bold in, in a lot of ways from where, from where I came from. So, so that's something I really appreciate. You know, you get, you get a sense that people are, are kind of exposing their heart uh, they're exposing the the um, uh, the essence that they have in them that's very myriad and uh, eclectic and um, and deep and at the same time you know kind of uh, uh, full of lots of humor uh, and uh, um, and taste. I mean, French men are also quite uh, elegant, uh, usually quite well educated. Uh, I guess there's a sense of romanticism. I can't really talk for that. <laughs> uh, and that's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a certain, again, there's a certain sensuality. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of them don't shave too much. They have sort of a, you know, a little bit like I have here, I guess. A little bit of the 10 o'clock shadow. Design, designer stubble. <laughs> designer stubble, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, and so there's also sort of an expression of the sexuality there of men, uh, that men can be sexy. Uh, and that's you know awesome. and that's that that's um that's maybe new in other cultures but you say that that's part of being french that they've been able to do that for a long time because men's grooming and being sexy is is kind of is, is kind of new isn't it but men have expressed themselves that way a long time in france as part of being french yeah, I mean, a lot of the kings used to wear, you know, pretty extravagant, high-heeled, uh, you know, colorful clothing. So maybe it carries on from them. But yeah, there's a certain, you know, haute couture uh, in the way that in the way that people dress, and you know, it gives a certain stature to people. Uh, I mean, it's one of the glorious things I feel about Paris is when you walk through the city there, you couldn't really be anywhere else in the world. Uh, there's a certain um, appreciation for the beauty of. Uh, uh, of the sartorial arts uh, that's, that we see with a lot of, a lot of men. So, so yeah, there's a sense of, you know, they carry themselves with a certain assurance about uh, a connection with the sensual, the feminine, the beauty, uh, 
you know, it's kind of maybe another way of saying the vulnerability of of the masculine uh, entity. I mean, obviously, men, uh, you know, uh, double kiss each other there when you when you get intimate with people, uh, which you don't, you know, I never had that in the states. You know, you're hugging, you're patting each other on the back. Uh, uh, in France, you know, you're you're double kissing like you would with a woman. So there's there's also this proximity thing. This is which again for me joins this sort of a uh, little bit more nuanced um, human connection of, you know, sensuality, of sensoriality uh, that, that I think contributes to the connection uh, between, between people. So. And in the valuing of food, family life around the, uh, around the dining table is very important of French family life, French culture. And you think that affects the men too? Because there's something about um, the French and the, the number of days they have off and the working time. They seem to have, they value family life or the private time to a greater degree than working cultures, perhaps like the American culture where greater number of hours, only a couple of weeks holiday a year for the average American worker, whereas in um, France, you know, vacation time is, is highly valued, isn't it? Yeah, and family is, family is a, a big priority in, in France, definitely. It's one of the countries today, I believe, in Europe that has the highest rate, if not the highest rate, of um, children birth. It's two point something between two and three <laughs> per family. But yeah, there's a real sense of, uh, you know, almost like everyone has their own uh, castle, you know, and they want to they want to build their family within their castle and and take care of that and and the time together with family means something. Uh, and again, for me, it goes back a lot to the food. Uh, you know, uh, for those, and not everyone cooks amazingly or has a family uh, that that uh, is necessarily you know super interested in that. But you know, generally speaking, a lot of people come together to spend time around uh, a dining table. And again, it takes back to eating amazing food that's prepared by love, uh, probably mostly by the mother. But there's men that cook. Uh, I cook a lot. I know a lot of men that cook a lot also. And that time around the table is conversation time. That time around the table is you know, connection time. It's the, again, it's sort of the initiation uh, from a father to his children about how to be at a table, how you can, you know, create conversation, how you can, you know, push the limits, break the rules, express yourself, you know, hold yourself properly at the table, eat with, you know, both hands on the table. Uh, a lot of things that bring the elegance and the art of the table uh, into the, the culture and that has lasted for decades and decades and decades. I learned a lot about how to eat sitting at a table once I came to France. And as an American, you, you, you're, you're a one fork. This is something that happened when, I don't know, the British culture went over to America and somehow the knife got lost. <laughs> you reclaim that. Yeah, I get to, it's funny when we're Americans over, uh, a lot of them, even very educated people can eat with one hand. The other hand is kind of under the table. They're kind of slanted on the, the right side or left side. So, so yeah, and I'm, I've become extremely sensitive to that, actually, that, that certain amount of elegance. Uh, you know, even, even in simple things like, it's funny, I was, in a, I was in an airplane once, and it was in France, I was flying somewhere, and I was sitting next to a very elegantly dressed gentleman, uh, and I was I was sniffling a bit because my nose was because of the air conditioner so my nose was kind of dripping, and I kept sort of sniffing in, sniffing in, and at some point the gentleman turned to me and he said, "Take a bloody Kleenex," you know, with a kind of a you know pretty you know strong uh, you know suggestion there. And first my first reaction was like you know you know f off what are you gonna leave me alone, 
And I was like, mm, there's something that's showing you a certain amount of respect. And now we're going to take a quick commercial break, and I'm back introducing my last guest, Nick Haynes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Rise of the Feminine. If you have a question or comment about this program, please send an email to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. That's Gina at GinaLazenby.com. Here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome back. It's interesting what David articulated about French men being formed and affected by their artistic and culinary culture of France and that window looking into family life around the table. Now, I also had the opportunity at this conference to talk with a father about parenting sons. Nick Haynes is someone who often talks about being in touch with his feminine side. He's an international speaker and pioneering teacher about how we use different energies to understand ourselves and create success in life. He's a visionary who's developed a very insightful profiling system called the Vitality Test. So, Nick, um, as a father, as a business owner, as someone who has been working in the healing arts as well and also businesses in the leading edge you have three sons and i'm interested in exploring how sons are brought up for this new era in the rise of the feminine where feminine energy is rising women are rising we've already talked before about how young men older men can feel displaced and young very young men too young boys now you've got three boys grown up to adulthood how have you prepared them to be men, fathers in this new era, in a conscious or unconscious way? Well, I think it is a mixture between being conscious and unconscious. And some of my best things I've done have actually been unconscious rather than conscious, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, I think the big thing I've tried to do or have done is the acceptance of everything. And it's everything is okay. You're okay to be to cry you're okay to be strong you're okay to uh, be creative you're okay to be analytical you and that they are okay as they are and just express who you are to its fullest extent some of those traits might be classified as more masculine and some of them might be classified as more feminine but they're all okay and equally valid and are allowed to exist as in that moment in time or exist within those relationships so they've had um of course we've done some boy games because that's some of the games they wanted to play but in terms of their emotional experience and expression and their recognition of people they are incredibly accepting of whoever anyone is or whatever traits that they 
that they show. So they'll they'll show their full range of emotions because every single one is acceptable for every human being to experience and show if that's appropriate for them. So, how old are the boys? Uh, my eldest is twenty five, Lewis, and then I have two uh, two twins at twenty uh, two. So what you're saying is you've given them um, an education as part of family life in emotional intelligence. We, we couldn't possibly say that men aren't emotionally intelligent, but you talked about crying and tears. So in as much as we've had old ideas about what men should be and masculinity, certainly in the past culture has not supported men fully expressing their emotions and that's one of the problems now because men don't know how to yeah. feel. And, um, and this aspect of crying or I mean as you said full expression uh, has that come from you consciously teaching or is that coming because that's part of you and you've done that as a father or is that something you learned along the way were you naturally like that or is that a learning that you had and then thought ah, I'm going to teach my sons to be that way too uh, I had my parents were very fluid within their uh, emotions uh, and my mother was very successful. My, both my parents were in their own fields, were uh, inspirational, but they both did that full range of emotions. And I think the other thing that is significant is within my marriage to my lovely wife Sue, there has been a fluidity in our parenting. So when they were very young, because of the physiology and how things were, she was at home and she nurtured and fed and I was away slightly more teaching and then as her career um, moved and expanded then she needed more support at home and I stepped I stepped into that so we have a fluidity as to who's cooking and who's cleaning and who's picking up and who's doing and we just there is no distinction in our marriage so our parents have not my our children have not seen a distinction uh, in, in kind of parent in, in parenting roles uh, and I think that's been very very interesting for them to recognize that all genders can play all roles at any moment in time and my wife uh, was also doing a PhD in looking at the uh, gendered nature of occupations that here we have nursing is considered to be a more female role and what are the challenges within a gendered occupation for a male or a female within that thing so we've had the discussions within our home about what's true and what isn't true and what's perceived to be one thing is actually might not be true so we so we're, we're quite open and challenging on on uh, on what's normal and what isn't normal yeah, you talk about challenging the norm. I mean, I think we are in a transition period where we're redefining masculinity and femininity um, because those two energies exist in humans, don't they? Yeah. And we've had eons of, of culture appropriate things as being feminine that's not exclusively applying to women, but women have had either easy access or ownership of that, you know, showing compassion, but that is a, a human... Um, quality human emotion so I know that you work with energies in profiling in business so can you just speak for a, a moment about how those masculine and feminine dynamics as we know them now show up in people or show up um, since we're looking at men how might they show up in men um, so that men might understand themselves more or be more freer to explore what a man is today mm. 
Well, I think, I mean, you touched upon earlier that kind of uh, that transition, that phase when we're trying to, to work it out. And when we're often trying to, when we're in between places, actually what we are is lost. Uh, that's the issue we no kind of no, no, there's no map we're in between one place we knew and one place we think we're going well, actually we don't know where we're going to so actually uh, I think the reality a lot of people are really really truly lost as to their manhood or their fem- feminine and, and that goes for both genders we're, we're, we're fundamentally lost so for me where the energies are really really useful is that you can say I have the propensity to be this energy type and that gives me these qualities and these strengths and those beha- these behaviours and this value to society and seeing them as an energy rather than a, a gender. So you can have this earth energy, this ability to, to nurture and listen, to be empathetic, to heal, to be things. And people say, well, that's more female. Well, actually, it's more actual earth energy. And men and women have that earth energy. And are you referring to earth energy as one of those five elements well, from Chinese medicine, which is one of the modalities that you, you, you've been teaching in the past, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, so it's one of those modalities. So one recognizes that that in itself is a valuable energy and is not owned by a particular gender. And I can be nurturing and caring and listening and supportive and I could be male or female and it doesn't matter. And therefore you can do those professions from, so you're doing that profession from that energy or in that business. And, and also one of the things I, I try and do with the energies is try and get away from loaded language. So metal energy, which is another one of the energies, one of their qualities is the ability to step outside and see things from a distance. Uh, and often we'll refer to men as being objective and women as being cold and non oh. cold and non feeling but actually it's both of them has the ability to step so i we're saying that metal energy is the ability to step outside and it's not cold and it's can be objective but it's certainly not cold so it's kind of so we sometimes see with our politicians or these brilliant women we're seeing coming through are sometimes accused of being cold or unfeeling but what they have is a metal energy which is the ability to say this hasn't been done and i know it hasn't been done because i'm i can step outside the emotions to recognize what needs to be completed and what needs to be done and that doesn't make me cold it just makes me gives me a, i just have an ability to step outside well, that would, be a, that would be a useful skill for a politician. So do you see that exhibited in the new female leaders? I say new. Angela Merkel has been around for 10 years, and Theresa May is a new leader, and we're perhaps looking at her leadership style um, for the first time. Are you seeing those qualities there in the complex decisions that she's looking at now? Yeah, I, I, think, I think we are. I and mean, I think uh, Theresa May was a really lovely example of where someone came into what was a melee and mass of different things going on and very quickly was able to make some objective and very tough decisions and she made it because she was able to step outside and say what actually needed to be done. Nelson Mandela was another example. He was able to step outside the emotion and the, and the different scenario he was sitting in to make an, a, a decision that needed to be, to be done. So I think we are seeing a, a group of politicians, of female politicians, that are not courting love. Sometimes men or certain our older generation of politicians would have to court love and approval and whatever in order to to um, be in power. So talk about courting love, something that Theresa May referred to was touring the TV studios and that would be... Because uh, Cameron, was a, our previous Prime Minister, was accused of that, of being concerned with his profile 
and what the media thought of him and you know being uh, currying good favor all the time in uh, in with the headlines yeah and, and and tony blair had that same that same thing and in, in moments in time, the ability to connect with the people and feel what's going on serves you brilliantly. So Tony Blair, what happened when Princess Diana died, he got it, abs- he, he felt the, the experience, the emotion, the feel, the love of what was happening in the, in the country and helped the royal family who had actually had to detach because their grief was so big. And he was that, he was that fantastic bridge. But then at other times, that ability to be so wrapped up in how what people think and whether we were approved or whether or, or caught in the love actually leads you into decisions that actually if you step out of it and see it from 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 the perspective of hindsight do you think why on earth did you make that decision well because it came from that same propensity to look for love and approval that serves you well in some areas and doesn't serve us in other areas so i think we for me it's recognizing that there are lots of different ways to lead and everything is fine and appropriate within its within its circumstance now i think we have this wonderful generation of female i mean if, imagine if we're going to have angela merkel um theresa may and hillary clinton as a uh, as a as, a, as a, a, a strong female leadership but it for me it's there it's the qualities that they have within certain energies that make them brilliant. And it's not to dismiss their, femi- their feminineness, because some of those are feminine qualities, but it is their, their, their ability within those, that energetic state that the world fundamentally needs, in the same way that the world needed Nelson Mandela's collaborative, discussion, compassionate uh, forgiveness at that moment in at that moment in time so just finally we were talking initially about you being a father and just looking ahead you know the the future for your boys and a generation of of uh, men do you think that it's going to be easier for them and that society is more open now to men being able to express the full range of themselves and do you think that's naturally going to happen or do you think we're going to have to coach parents into coaching the generation <laughs> yeah, I, I think what the issue is is actually they're much cleverer than we were they're advanced they're, they're, they're arriving with a completely different set of wiring emotions and, and state than, than my, my kind of post-war generation we were kind of wired for something different and, and so I don't think we need to be fixing them in the same way that we need to be fixing ourselves because actually they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. They'll be majority of them will be fine, and we would don't need to do anything for them. I think it's us, for my generation. We we need to get us. We need to not be quite so lost and just enjoy being us, uh, and, and and whatever range of emotions that is, it, it's, it's all okay and enjoy uh, our relationship with women and uh, women and, and all the, all their ranges of talents and skills and and not put ourselves in boxes of this is male this is female this is good this is bad this is we're actually not pretending to be i'm not pretending to be a woman i'm not pretending to be a man i'm just being me in this moment in time and it's doing what's required and so i think they'll be fine is us (laughs) we've got to get us right what i found today really interesting it's good to have these gender focused conversations about men and masculinity with men 
and with their personal and professional perspectives. It gives us a better understanding of these many shades of men. Nick talked about the younger generation growing up differently. I can see that's happened in one generation. Male friends I know who were born in the 1960s can still shake hands when they greet each other, while their children and grandchildren are more comfortable hugging each other. You've only got to see things like film footage of the boy band One Direction and see how they hang on to each other, playfully being very tactile in a way that you would never have seen anybody doing in the 70s or 80s they're very different in the way they can be natural with each other and are really changing the expressions of manhood i also love what nick said about valuing each energy each different contribution is key there's a dance between the energy of masculine and feminine and men and women need to be free to express both in any way they choose this is really important as we reinvent relationships and acknowledge the potential energy imbalance of women who are increasingly out earning their male partners it's been a big show today. It's time to sign off. My next show is a special report from WIN, the Women's International Network event in Rome that I'm reporting from. So I'll see you next week. I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts. My email is gina at ginalazemi.com. Or remember, there's the Facebook page called The Rise of the Feminine Radio. Until next week, stay well. And thank you very much for joining me on The Rise of the Feminine. We hope that you've enjoyed the program this week. Be sure to tune in to The Rise of the Feminine with Gina Lazenby every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 